G'day listeners, my name is Yannick Blair and welcome to the Bench Units Podcast. All too popular and common guest Yannick Blair has taken the reins on the Bench Units Podcast today, so hopefully um, <laughs> hopefully we won't be disappointed with the content. Let's um, let's move right along, boys. Are you, you're not going to introduce us, no. People might not know uh, who we are. They don't. Hopefully not. Um, that's the reason they're still listening if they don't know who you are. <laughs> Yannick, how's it going, man? Hello, listeners. I'm Mark. I'm joined by James. We're joined by Yannick. Yannick, I thought thank that you would be for, funny. Thank you for being here again, dude. Um, you obviously come off a hell of a game this past weekend, and we are catching you. You're back in Australia now, so we're catching you from early morning to us. It's five, half five for you right now, and we've woken you up from your nap to do this episode. So thank you for joining us. How's things? No worries. Yeah, apologise for being a little bit late. My <laughs> nap turned a little bit longer than it should have. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm I'm well. Horribly jet lagged as I'm. I think the older I'm getting, the worse these trips are hitting me. Um, but no, I'm good. Got on the plane literally um, within 18 hours of playing the game, um, trying to make as much get as much value out of the uh, three weeks back at home as as possible. So uh, we played you know, Saturday evening, and I was. Um, in in airport, and then I was already on a plane by midday Sunday. So, um, so yeah, were you hung over on the plane, or were you still drunk, or what was the celebration <laughs> situation? Um, yeah, I was I was neither. So um, oh. probably showing my age again, starting oh, to travel <laughs> more and more consistently without being hung over or drunk, which is yeah another sign of of being on the wrong side of thirty. So yeah. Um, just a mature old man now. Uh, well, you've managed to show up to the podcast by clicking on the link we've sent you, so you can't be that old because that's like the real test of ages when we're like, hey, do you want to come on a podcast? And someone's like, what's a podcast? And they're like, we'll send you a link. And they're like, what's a link? So you've checked both those boxes. So you're all good on that front. Um, I think, I think, um, I don't know if we've told you about this, but pre the Landil 3 game, we were like organizing who we would want to speak to and we were like, should we give Yannick a bell? And I think this was like late, late on the Friday night, the day before the game. And I said to James, I was like, I'll bell Yannick, but I'll do it tomorrow morning. So I don't look like a psychopath who's messaging him at like 11 PM. Um, exactly. and then forgot, I forgot to message you on the Saturday and then I ended up messaging you on the Sunday to see if you'd be interested. And I think I caught you just as you were like in the airport and getting on the plane and you were like, I'll be out of action for 48 hours. And we're like, man, this thing's going to be going to be tight squeezed to get recorded on Wednesday and out on Thursday. But here we are, man. So should we get straight into it? Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, And uh, to clarify the reason why it's going to be 48 hours, the problem with where I live is I like, it's a, I don't know, it's 30 hours of traveling to get back to Australia. And then I live, Another three and a half hour drive from Melbourne to to my little town, and so we landed late on a on Monday, and then stayed in Melbourne, just at a hotel at the airport Monday. Because by the time you land, and then yeah. and then drive, wake up the next morning and drive. So it's yeah, it's pretty much a two day trip to actually get back to where I live. Jeez. Yeah, um, I, I did see the forty eight hours thing from you and be like, this is a hundred percent him just fobbing us off, and then like we're going to yeah. message message him to be like, yeah, do you still think? And you're like, sorry, ran out of time. But to your credit, I think you literally, 
I like messaged you in the airport in Germany and you like give me 48 hours and then you messaged us what must have been like as you landed back in Australia. I was like, oh man, this guy actually wants to be a part of it. What a great time to be alive. Yeah. Yeah. Also, can I just say when we were talking about getting you on here, Mark mentioned your name and then he hadn't watched the game yet. I was watching it live after our game. So when the game finished, I was like, hey, Yannick looks like a pretty good shout. Not bad, Mark. And he was like, what? What's happened? I haven't seen it yet. So <laughs> it was yeah, funny. There was the, like a full day of like, oh, just you wait. What a game. Yeah, but this, this wasn't just us being like, hey, Yannick had a insane one minute stretch to end the game. This was like genuinely pre-planned. But now it looks like we've just jumped on it because you, you like had your minute of fame right there. That's right, yeah. I think one half of all of my statistics in that game came in, in that last <laughs> Well, Literally the only impact I had was at the very, at the very, very end. Well, it got you the belt, and I think you're the first reigning belt holder to actually join us on the episode, which... Um, yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about being the belt winner, to be perfectly honest, because I will also go down as being, I assume, the first belt winner to have won the belt without scoring a point which i'm not sure how i feel about because yeah but <laughs> crucially i think we've kind of fallen into this being like top scorer of the week type stuff but then it's like do you want to give it to Paswan or Filipski most of the time like that's kind of what we end up doing and i don't think that's what it's about like and if yeah. it's not about pulling a rebound down and, and having a steal in the last minute and winning a game i don't really know like yeah, yeah. Like, you're what also doing here? you're also the first one to ever win the belt so it's like hey you just, you just got to take it, man. They don't come around very often. Of course, if you if you don't know how you feel about it to the point where you don't want the belt, we'll take it off and reassign it to somebody else. But I'm <laughs> sure, we, sure no, we, not real. we don't want to go through that. Yeah, it's also not real. Yeah, we've actually had some messages like we've assigned the belt to some people at some point and other people have gotten in touch to be like, hey, what about this person? And I'm like, this doesn't exist. Like, what? <laughs> what's your problem? The figurative belt. Well, I'm wearing it at the moment, so... <laughs> It weighs heavy. That's just the jet lag. All right, so let's actually get into it. Yeah, how's the season going so far? Obviously, you've had to like integrate some new players, and I want you to sort of speak about what that's been like, both on and off court, because I'm always interested to know how that goes. It's been awesome, to be perfectly honest. It's been really, really good. I guess a little bit of it's probably the fact that it's the first completely normal year, I guess, post-COVID. So I assume that probably a lot of people throughout the European leagues are having a similar experience in the sense that life is back to normal. Like we're not feeling any of the negative repercussions of COVID on our, you know, day-to-day life. Um, as much, you know, playing basketball as, as, as socially. Um, so I think that's, that's awesome. It just makes the experience of playing professionally in Europe so much better and just remind you and maybe on the back of having had having COVID interrupt three seasons of, of European basketball to varying extents it probably makes you appreciate um, what you had beforehand a little bit more saying that you know it's one of those things you don't appreciate what you've got until you until you lose it so I think that's probably playing a huge um, huge role in this season being so good for us and then obviously we're um, undefeated up until this point so that would obviously also play a pretty big role um but then looking specifically at, at us we had three new signings being with matthias gaz and rose um and all have been really really good like socially we've got a really good 
dynamic. Like we had a good one last year, but I think even better again this year. And I mean, I'm sure like the COVID stuff, as I mentioned, is probably playing a role into that, but also personalities. I think, I think it's just like a good fit. Sometimes it, sometimes teams work, sometimes they, they don't, but ours definitely does this year. And then it seems to be working pretty well on the court as well. Like I think having, having Matthias, it's big. Like that's something that we haven't had or certainly we didn't have last year was like a big, pure like interior yeah. center guy like and a young guy too that just you know as young guys do they just, he just loves pushing his chair like he's a beast loves training and and just um works hard and i don't know it's one of those guys you definitely feel when you're out there playing against him and like he doesn't even know he's doing it half the time but he's just <laughs> bashing people out of the way and um yeah he's like a wrecking ball in practice but that's good it definitely makes us better and and i think we work around him really well like he as you guys would have saw, he played almost 38 minutes on the weekend, so he's pretty pivotal to all of our lineups. And we sort of, you know, he's like the the one common denominator, and then we sort of work around around him, um, which is which is awesome. It just makes our lives a bit easier. And then having a at times a size advantage over like Turgan, for instance, something that we didn't have last year. Like to be competitive with them in the finals, we had to change up and start playing like a lot more with like when we started starting Rio and Brian to have some form of that I don't know size equivalence to them but now with with Mattis we've like there's certainly lineups where we're bigger which is a nice a nice feeling and then having Gaz is is awesome like certainly very I mean you guys are knowing well experienced guy definitely thinker of the game Mm, which is good like helps us from from experience standpoint as well and he actually um he had a really good game as well very efficient um on the weekend so and then off the court yeah legend of a bloke as well and then rose as well has been awesome i've got getting along with rose really really well and enjoying um enjoying her like yeah she's obviously shoots the piss out of the ball which (laughs) um everyone knows but it's one of those things that I mean, I, I, she's done it in enough games that everyone's aware of it. And when you see it in practice on a day to day, oh, it's nuts! Uh, yeah. You're just like, well, okay, this is just a thing now. Like, it's not not like she's having a good day or bad day. It's just Rose. Yeah, yeah so, no, like yeah. I've 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 spoken to people about this before, where it's like she tracks her shots and she'll shoot eighty to eighty five percent every day, like without fail. Like it doesn't it doesn't go below that or above that. Like it might go above that every so often, but it's like she shoots eighty percent in practice just all the time. It's nuts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so finding I think she maybe took her a couple of weeks to find her sort of rhythm and, and spot with the team, which I think it always happens with new players and teams and going from like Green Canary where she was playing forty a game and like you guys had a really really I don't know. Well, you're a pretty well oiled machine there, like a, your structure and system. So I think now we've figured out. Still. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And move the ball around and pass 15 times. But now we've figured out, I think, quite well how to use her and, and getting her some good lineups. And um, yeah, it's a really powerful weapon to have, like another shooter like that. So yeah. So yeah, we all were watching. Different. Sorry. Sorry. We were watching your guys' game live on the way back from we played in Madrid. And yeah. some of the guys were watching the game. Some of the guys were trying to like sleep on the way back in the bus and Rose hit two in a row. And I like hit the, I like slapped the chair. I was like, Rose. And I think I woke someone up. Like just yeah. great to see her get going in a big game like that. Sure. Yeah. Just like wheel on, shoot two back to back. And then you know, it's it's just one of those things for a team. Like if, if like she's coming off the bench and they're not 
paying attention to that. Like that's just four points, bang yeah. bang, and then yeah. and you can yeah. take her off and put her back on and, and get the same thing. So mm-hmm. however you however you want to do it. So so cool. you got the the new guys come in uh, and you as you say you kind of took a little bit to work them in and kind of figure out your best lineups or whatever. You've also had Tommy Burma be out for a couple of games. Um, I think he had a wrist injury, if I'm not mistaken. So he's been out for a few, and then he's been back for the last two games. So you obviously, you guys knew you were playing during and to end the first stretch of the season. So how was that adjustment period of getting Tommy, you know, learning to cope without him and then integrating him back in? Was that kind of clock watching, hoping he was back in time for the Bulls game, or was that, hey, Will? You know, we'll roll out there with what we've got. And, you know, it's about the end of the season more than it is about the game in December. Yeah, I mean, a little bit of that. But also, like, it's 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 nice to know that we're deep enough that without a guy as important as Tommy is, without him, we could still be successful. So to not have dropped any games throughout that period was, uh, like, testament, I guess, to the, to the group. Um, we were also, like, we had a horrible run with, like, Tommy... Did his, it was his thumb actually in the Hanover game. Um, but yeah. And then, so he missed four weeks. And then in that four weeks, everyone got sick at least once. Like it wasn't COVID. We just had these weird viruses that, yeah. that have been going around and, and knocking us around. Like Simon was crook forever. I was sick for a couple of weeks and it went through like literally everybody. So, um, that on top of the fact that we're already a man down without Tommy. So it was, it was tough. It was a, um, like we almost lost the Munsterland game. We only snuck in by two and then we made Hamburg look pretty good on the Sunday. We played those back to back. Um, so it was a, it was a grind, but you know, that's what an eight month or nine month season typically looks like. You never, it's never going to be just a, a walk in the park all the way through. So yeah, we were just happy to get through without dropping any games and like getting ex- some experience in tough games like Muslim have got a pretty nice team this year. So getting a hard push against them in a game without Tommy means that you have to rely on other lineups and get the job done without him. Cause you know, we, he can get in foul trouble or there can be any number of, a, any number of a number of reasons why he might not play in, in a big game. So it's yeah. nice to have some runs on the board without him just helps our depth, I guess. Um, but then, it was awesome. Like as soon as he came back in his chair, like that first practice, when Tommy we played two practice games in Cologne, and Tommy just started doing Tommy things again, and it was yeah, it was awesome. Awesome to have him back, and um, even just in practice, just um, yeah, raises the intensity level and the 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 depth, the quality of our practices and games so much. So yeah, it's awesome to finally be all back and and healthy. How many shots did he get up in that first practice session back? So I can only imagine him being like when Clay Thompson got back after like two years out of the NBA season, he had like 26 shots in like 20 minutes or whatever his first stat was. Yeah, would have had more than I've had this season, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's taken 42 shots in two games back, and I absolutely love it. Like, I, even though, like, they've not been going yet, you just can't. We have a question about him later on, and it's basically about this. But, like, you, you have to just let him go, don't you? But, Mark, you had a, just listening to Yannick talking about um, them making Hanover look good. You had a pretty good yeah. question about them playing Hanover, Hanover, if you want to shift to that, because, I don't yeah. know. Did I say Hanover, I meant Hamburg. Did I say Hanover? 
you, yes. you said Hamburg. We're going to... Oh, yeah. we're gonna uh-huh. look at me being like, "What a clean segue!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come back to hosting. James doesn't know what he's doing. Um, <laughs> it's it's like it's seven a.m. I, I yeah. don't have anything to do all morning. I've never <laughs> been up this early in Bilbao. Um, no, we're going to roll into this now because we our next question was about um, kind of you've obviously played through England to close the first half of the season off and. I think we always watch the German league and watch you guys specifically with an eye to how much of yours and Thuringen's season is just you guys passing the time for like when you get to play each other effectively. But in recent weeks, both you and them have had pretty close runs against Hanover specifically, who, you know, have obviously upskilled their team a little bit from last year with a couple of guys, you know, pretty well uh, coming in, Sean Norris and Tom McHugh. So, is this a different feel this season, knowing that you guys have had a couple of games between you that have pushed you further than you would typically against the rest of the schedule other than each other? And do you think we saw closer to peak Landil and closer to peak Thuringen because of the way that the schedule's broken so far? Yeah, like I would say that's probably been the big shift in the German league this year is that it's not necessarily like a two-horse race. Yeah. as clearly as it's been um, in previous years, which is, like, if I were to look at the Spanish League, I think that the Spanish League is becoming, has become that, like, with Mediva dropping off, Canarias and, and Bilbao sort of taking maybe a step back or potentially staying this, well, I would say maybe taking a step back, I guess, because and then on top of that, Albacete and, and Elunion turning into sort of super teams. Um, yeah. It seems like that, that the Spanish League is becoming a bit more of a, of a two-horse race or, it may be one horse race, depending on how we want to look at it. But um, where I think the German leagues kind of opened up because I think Hanover is like, I don't think there's that much of a gap between us and them, maybe which is for the fact that we've spent more time together or had more success together. So with that sort of, you're, you're a bit more confident in, in getting the wins. Whereas I think Hanover in the second half of the season, now that they've played 10 games together, I think they're going to be a super, super dangerous team because they, they played the Bulls in a really tight game without Sean Norris, so you add him into their rotations. He's been playing 35-plus minutes a game, and then he was sick on the weekend that they played the Bulls, and they almost um, they almost beat them anyway. Like They were tight with them the whole game, so add a bloke like Sean Norris in there, and, and that changes the equation. And they 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 played really well against us. They had us 15. I can't remember what this it was 15-1 to Hanover after the first six minutes, I think, was something to that effect. Yeah, I should remember that because I was on for those six minutes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was the point I came off, I think. when we were. I think we might have scored one field goal when I came off. Um, anyway, so, yeah, they're a really, really good team. Um, and a lot of it, like having two brand-new pieces like Tom and Sean who are pretty important to their lineup, as, as I said, like it takes a while to get them um, up to speed, but I think second half of the season they're gonna they're gonna do some damage. I have no doubt. So, yeah, and it, it does it, it adds another quality game. But I think there's other teams that have taken a step forward, like Munzerland are playing really well this year. Um, Trier are definitely better. They're deeper, and like Pasiwan, just as you guys know, goes on his rampages. And um, Vispartan kind of around the same. I don't know that one of those teams that. Yeah, they've got a list and probably should get better results than they do. I don't know, like they're around the mark, but 
Yeah, well, they, they've not got their full group of guys yet, and we're assuming the two Turkish guys will show up at some point. But yeah, it also, that I think they're kind of less than the sum of the parts currently. Uh, but that's not yeah. to say, that's not to say that they won't put it together at some point. So if they do that, sure. then I, I think the top four in Germany is probably better than the top four in Spain. Uh, to your point a second ago, but yeah, I think all that said, it I think the German league is very much Landil Turingen until proven otherwise. So in terms of your guys' week leading up to this game. How does your guys' week look in terms of training, you know, video session, team meetings, whatever? Is there a different feel to it than there is for just when you're rolling out to play Munsterland or Trier, for example? Yeah, for sure. There was like there's another element of, of pressure. Like it the game obviously means so much. The clubs have got such a long rivalry and strong rivalry. Um I would say it's seems to maybe have mellowed. I, I remember it being stronger last year, but maybe that's just because it was the first time I was exposed to it. Um, and this year was, it was also this first week or the second week if maybe that we had in a row with our full team there, everyone healthy and fit. So it kind of just finally felt, I don't know, like we were just back on court. We had 11 at practice again for the first time in however long instead of having seven or eight or nine or, or whatever. So I don't know. It felt a little bit more like that they were just all finally back together and excited to be able to actually train consistently at a high level and not and be able to run proper scrimmages and and work through our lineups and get quality done and then the benefit of it was that we're playing the bulls on the weekend so i think it's a little bit of both but yeah there's always an added added element of, of pressure and excitement i guess that week yeah i think that's a real thing like all the good teams try to make sure that isn't a thing. They try to make sure that you don't train better the week of uh, mm-hmm. Thuringen than you do for the week of Munsterland, but you do. Like, and like good players try to stay motivated and try to not have that be a factor, but it always is, isn't it? Like, to a certain extent, like, and I think it's, for, it's probably really frustrating for coaches and for even players, but like everyone just kind of takes the edge off slightly when you're playing Essen, for example. Yeah. But yeah, it's just natural, but. Um, just moving on to talking about the game. Um, so one of the first questions we got was from Aaron Young and she said, Landil controlled most of the game. Do you think that's the result of your player's experience or coaching or can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I thought we, I thought Janet coached it really well. I thought like the rotations were good. I was pretty sure like we, we knew heading in, we've got four main lineups at the moment and I was pretty confident that Janet would want to see all of them in the first half for at least sort of like five minute, four to six minute blocks, depending on how they were going. Um, the lineup, the starter has been doing really well. Um, that's the three big, like the, the two, four fives with Gaz and, and Simon. Um, and like that when I think we played that for the first time against Hanover and it did really, really well. That was the lineup. I think that got us back into the game yeah. after my lineup and really put us in a hole at the start. Um, sure. So yeah, I, I think we just got the jump on him because that's the lineup that the Bulls hadn't seen, and they probably were uh, uncomfortable with the size difference. That's something they hadn't had to contend with with Landil for a while. Yeah. Um. And but it was it's it's they're one of those teams that we know that doesn't matter if we get in front by five or ten, 
or whatever the score line is in the first half, they're a team that's going to hang around, they're going to fight, and you can't really fall asleep because um, they're a very, very capable team, experienced team. So true to that, they they came back toward the end of the third and took the lead in the fourth, I believe, yeah. and then yeah. got to four points up potentially. Um, yep. And yeah, I, I guess experience and, and, and is what helped us – Close it out toward the end, but um, yeah, I would say that's definitely a factor. And and, and I thought the coaching was quite good, like yeah. quite well rotated and and exp- played to our strengths, I guess. Sure. And um, talking about that experience, like how collaborative is game planning at this point? Like I know you guys probably have as qualified a coach to game plan for this stuff in terms of wheelchair, but like being an ex wheelchair basketball player and a good one um, as any club in Europe more or less, but like, do you guys lean on the experience you have as players to game plan for this stuff as well? Yeah, for sure. Um, and that was something Janet was pretty keen on during the week. We were ex- exchanging ideas and, and talking pretty openly amongst the group about, about the game and, and how we want to go about things. So, which is obviously when you've got like a really experienced team is, is a really useful tool um, to be able to, to be able to lean on, to be able to to work with, is not just to have it come top down. To be able to bounce off, yeah, bounce off the playing group and and see what what everyone thinks. But um, like I'm of the opinion, and that you know, there's more than one way to skin a cat. I think you could go into a game like that with various different game plans. But the important thing is that everyone's on the same page yeah. and agrees on on one and and goes out and, and sticks to it. So. Um, sure. I'm basically heading at there with the idea. You tell me what to do, and I'll I'll do it. Um, <laughs> which I think that's ultimately what we're doing when we're out there. Like you've got a, a rough framework of how you want to play, but um, ultimately you've got the freedom once you're on the court. But well, I think we're all pretty well on the same page, and 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 worked pretty well. We only had small lapses where um, where they got off the chain a little bit in the late in the third, in the fourth, where we had some miscommunications on defense and they started to get a few layups. Like Linden got off the chain a bit. He's one of those guys that he seems to, I guess he plays well all the time, but he definitely plays well against us. Like he's that guy that we know Alex is going to, you know, he's obviously the number one threat. He's going to get his points, but he is a four and a half and um, just the shots that he takes, he's going to get his, get his points. But Linden's the one that seems to be able to expose us defensively. Um, but then, yeah, once we made some changes again and, and sort of got that under control, we're we're okay. So, um, as I say, yeah, as long as we're all on the same page, that's the certainly the important part. Sure. And with the um, we kind of mentioned the three big you guys rolled out against Hanover um, and kind of brought the game back. It was really interesting to see because we we I think we said on like the weekend episode at the time we very rarely get to see Landil try and like problem solve from a position of trailing like normally when you guys roll lineups out is because you're comfortably ahead and you're like let's you know let's see what this one's got but yeah. the three big isn't a very typical landil lineup because landil's always been like mobile guards and you know ball movement and whatever else and speed but i think you guys found that worked for you and as you mentioned when you guys played um thuringen in the finals last year you kind of went with the rio and brian duo and found that you know going a bit bigger against them helped you match up so was that once you realized you had the three big in the pocket was that kind of tab for the Thuringen game and 
going like a little bit further back, do you think that was even part of the motive of bringing guys like Matthias and Gaz into the fold to start with was to make yourselves a bit bigger across the board? Yeah, I mean, I would only be hazarding a guess, but I would imagine so with Matthias. Like, he's also, like, he's one of those next guys that I assume the club would would want to turn into, like, a Tommy Boomer, Tommy yeah. like, sign him and keep him for as, as long as they can and make him sort of the face of the club, like a young German um, from from not too far from um, from Wetzlar. And so I think that would be... Um, my, I imagine it would be a long-term project for the for the club, um, and it just helps that he's massive and um, just a beast. So, and it just gives us another dynamic. Like last year, we had so many guys that were so similar, like yeah. small but just super dynamic shooters. But when we put us all together, it was, it was hard to. There were, there were definitely moments where we were exposed with our lack of size. So, Matias definitely solves that problem. Um, and with Gaz, I'm not sure what the motive was. Like, I know they were looking for a four, so um, I'm not sure how much. You can do a lot worse if you're looking for a four. Oh, it was an epic signing as well. And I was stoked because that definitely helped me out with a, with a lineup because prior to that, I was, I was in a bad way. So you definitely <laughs> saved me there. Um, but yeah, I think, I don't know, I guess Simon probably had a bit to do with that as well. That, that connection there, that, that British connection definitely helped us out. So, yeah, I think it might have been a bit opportune, like opportunistic timing with it, but um, but it certainly worked out uh, in our benefit for sure. Definitely. Yes. So going back to the game, um, you guys went three big, and looking at the stats of your big guys who are you know your primary shot takers in that setup. So Gaz seven from thirteen, um, Matthias five from nine, Rio was six of sixteen, but he was five of eight threes. Um, yeah, which, I love it, that, it, like it, you talk about playing big, and it's like, yeah, you play big, and you've just got guys out in the three point line apart from Matthias. But yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah, like your your bigs all pretty efficient and making shots. Not something most teams can get away with against a team like Bulls. But do you think that is? more a function of you guys getting really good looks or do you think you've got a bunch of guys who make tough shots or some element of both? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know to say. Like having, being able to play, I think Matthias and, and Rio work really well together as four fives. Like having Matthias as just a straight up interior four five means that Rio can play that sort of mid range. He can play outside in, which he just is such a clean stroke of the ball. Like it is um, such a joy to watch him shoot. Like it's such, such a crisp technique. Um, like we see him do it at practice all the time. Everyone knows that he's mid range game. And like we saw it in Tokyo last year, like he's, he's definitely can shoot the ball. So having Matias there inside has freed Rio up just to play more of an exterior role, which that's where he did his damage. Like he should have stayed. He shouldn't have crossed the three point line. That was the only mistake he made was getting too, <laughs> yeah. getting too close to the basket. Um, and, there was and there was one where he stripped, I think he stripped Linden um, on the defensive end and then came down and shot a three pretty much in transition, which rimmed out. And that would have been his sixth. And that probably would have been the nail in the coffin. But um, for a bloke that's, 39 he's about to be 40 next year is that old um, is? i didn't realize that yeah like he's he's been around but 
put his body on the line, like pushed his chair. He had a couple of big, big spills. Like he went for a full court, like push down block on, I don't know, Alex or someone came flying out of his chair, ended up in the, in the first row. Like, um, yeah, he's just an animal of a, of a player. So, I guess it's just yeah, make him those guys making shots and like Gaz was super efficient with his. Um, he just knows the spots he wants to get to and how he wants to shoot the ball and he's a really good communicating communicator with how he wants to set up his his shots. Like working with him in a in a two man game, like he's he's thought about how he wants things to go, like where he wants to be sitting and who he wants to get to jump and what shots he can generate and what he can make the defense do to to get people to be in positions to, to score. So, um, yeah, they're all successful in different in different ways. And Matisse is just, just a massive German that gets to his spot in the kick and shoots over people. Um, he had an epic post-up over um, Alex on the edge of the keyway, which was just, yeah, yeah it was great to watch. But does This is up going off the script a little bit here, but I've been thinking this more and more as I've watched him. Does Matthias, obviously you've, played with both but does Matthias remind you at all of Bill Latham um no I think he pushed his chair too hard to remind me of Bill (laughs) we call Bill the big easy um in Australia because he it makes everything look easy like he never seems to exert himself like he's just smooth like a really smooth operator whereas Matthias is more brute force like he's just just go go through your in his pushing, so that would be the main the main difference. I would okay, say that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. I've I've been trying to pin down who Matthias reminds me of, and I've got a couple of guys. I, I quite like the Bill one, but I've not factored in the the um, kind of effort side of things. So yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. carry on my search. Also, it's like, do you get to the charge circle or do you get to the elbow and be like, yeah, good from here? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bill's definitely figured out the elbow shots as good as any for him. So yeah, he's like, why would I need to be in there when this is also eighty percent? But yeah, uh, but yeah, Mark kind of brought this up, and you've brought it up as well. But do you think the lineup versatility that you guys have gives you something that Thuringen kind of don't? Because it seemed um, you guys kind of had counters to each Bulls lineup. Like you guys went mids against their three bigs and stuff like. Is that sort of stuff intentional or was it kind of just rotating by time? Yeah, I mean, obviously that would be a question for Janet to answer. Um, I imagine it would be um, intentional. Like, I think there's a fair bit of thought that goes into it. And I think we're, we use our lineups maybe more than they do. Like they, their two, four, fives, I guess, played the entire game. So they only rotated the mids and they had a couple of minutes where they brought on Fishbuck and um, yeah. Carlos. So, which like, wasn't in my opinion, really long enough to see whether it works. Like with a guy like Fishbuck, I think he needs to play more than two minutes. And then I think he played three minutes total. And like one of those was the very end, the last minute where they're looking for a three, put him on in, the, in a pretty tough spot. Um, and, and with Carlos as well. So the only real change that they made was Lyndon for, for Geordie, I guess, in the third that, that seemed to be working. But they didn't look at Ari at all, which I think would be it. like they can play Ari with a 2-5, yeah. which gives them like a three big. Like Ari is like he's as, as big as pretty much anyone out there. Like he's a long, long kid, really nice shot of the ball. Obviously not the quickest, but 
um, but super long and, and just a different look to their midpointers, which they didn't utilize at all against us, which I thought, I thought was odd. Like I thought we'd definitely see him for at least a five minute patch and see, see how it goes. Cause that's then, then they've got a three big lineup with, with a mid, like, and their mids aren't small either. Like they can play Lyndon and Ari together and they're both, they're both pretty long. So, um, so yeah, I think they've got as much lineup versatility as us. They just didn't utilize it as much as how I would see it, which I was yeah. kind of surprised with, to be honest. Yeah, I think the fish pack thing is tough because, like, you're asking a guy to come in and the impact he's going to make is shooting the ball. And then if you just plug someone in for three minutes, they take two shots. You're kind yeah. of defining how they feel about the rest of the game sometimes, but I'm sure that's a tough role. I don't know. But ask people who can shoot, but like I'm sure that's a tough gig. Yeah. That's a tough gig. But talking about people coming into the game and shooting the ball, Tommy was in here after one game back. Like the question I had was like, do you need to do anything in particular to work a guy like that in? Or do you just plug him in and let him go? And I've written here, he took 20 shots in 30 minutes. So I think I already know the answer. Like, do you have to do anything to get him back in? Or is it just like, here's the ball, kid. Like, off you go, mate. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it, it takes much, like, just giving the ball. And everyone knows how Tommy operates, like, once you play with him for a while. So, yeah, I think it, it's pretty natural, to be perfectly honest, put him in there, give him the ball, and then and then we just make something happen, I guess. And, like, yeah. he, he, he like, and he's just a pure shooter in that sense that he'll shoot his way through good and bad um, yeah. patches. But he just he creates so much with his aggressiveness in shooting the ball. Like you know that it doesn't matter whether he's missed his last couple, he's gonna keep shooting and they're gonna go in. Like he's yeah. not gonna miss too many. Um so you've gotta you've gotta defend him so aggressively and that just opens the floor for us in, in a massive way. And then now we've got a bit more of an interior presence and then we can capitalize on that there. So yeah. Yeah, he has that thing. Like we talk about, we talk about shooters a lot in terms of how many would they have to miss in a row before I'd think they were actually going to miss their next one. And I think the number for Tommy's like twenty something. Like, but he came out started the second quarter after not having played a whole lot for a couple of months, and his first two shots were a three, and then dribbling into a post up on my (laughs) gear. And I was like, this guy's a legend. (laughs) Like he actually is. So like I'm not joking, but like. Nuts, just yeah, absolutely nuts. He it, missed them both, but I was like, I respect the hell out of it, and I still think the next one's going. Well, his very first shot, I think, was a long two, and it was an air ball, and I was like, ooh, like, this could be a bad look if Tommy's not shooting well. And then I think two offenses later, him and Quentin came down like two against four, and Quentin just stopped, and Tommy pulled up and swished a three. I was like, oh, no, we might be fine. <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. the Tommy Bomber experience <laughs> completely. They were like, yeah. yep. To the two v four pull up three is like a shot reserved just for him and Dirk Passavan and nobody else. Yeah, I would be more concerned if Tommy's missed a shot about his next one. Like when he gets pissed off at practice, or like if he gets angry at himself, then like I think there's a higher chance of him just being angry and then making the ball go in um, <laughs> after that. Like you, you can tell, or if you, I don't know, talk to him or like strip him in a play you know that he's coming down and he's going to embarrass you on the next play so 
Cool. That, that that sounds incredibly like Kobe Bryant-esque and badass, but that also sounds incredibly like terrifying to practice against. <laughs> Do you spend your, your all your sessions being like, let's just not upset this guy. He might make me look bad. Yeah, no, he, not might, he will. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah, you kind of alluded to it a little bit. You said the throwing got kind of off the chain kind of third, fourth quarter. Um, we're going to talk about how the game went for them kind of in a broader section just here. But for you, first half was relatively under control for you guys. And then they kind of made it their game a little bit in the second half. So what do you think the swing point was that allowed them to do that looking back at the game now? Um, yeah, without having watched it, Again, I think Linden, as I said before, was probably like a, a pretty key role. Like he he was the guy that I remember to be doing the damage and Vahid did well. I think I think he there was a patch where he um started to do some damage. So I think I think that was probably the the difference in the third quarter. They also got some good shots in the first half that didn't go. Like it wasn't necessarily that they were playing that bad. Um but I think that was probably, I mean, as simple as, as that is to, as an, as an analysis, um, that they shot the ball better. I don't know. Is, is that a good answer? But, no, that, I, that, but that's guess, about the, that's about the level of detail we get to when we try and break the stuff down. Like, yeah, shots went in at this point. And, and sometimes yeah. that is actually the answer. Like you go through a stretch where the shots that you've been happy to generate for 40 minutes actually go in for three minutes in a row and you look great all of a sudden. Like, Basketball sure. can be very reduced to like yeah. eight shots, which is so upsetting because we're like five years into this being like, <laughs> what are we doing? Yeah. And I mean, yeah, Jens hit a couple of shots, which um, like we were probably happy to give him. Like he's not usually the guy that's going to do damage. Like he hit a three um, from, he hit a, a midpoint, like a, a mid range jumper from around the free throw line and then a three not long after that which were shots that like, that's not usually where he does his damage It's usually like a slasher and a, um, and a cutter takes the ball to the rack, those hard finishes in there. And then, so those were two, I remember the second half and then, yeah, Lyndon was the other one with, and, and, Bahid, so, and it was just a matter of that. And then once they're making shots, once Lyndon start making his mid range shots, then we're having to defend him harder. They also switched up the way they stopped running um, Marie with, Vahid, they switched it to running with Marie with Alex, I believe. I just remember being on in the third and our defensive rotations were all of a sudden quite confused. Like we we had a structure to play a certain way with assuming that their, their traditional offensive structure would be Marie and Vahid on the left-hand side and they switched that. And I remember being caught out a number of times where I was defending Alex at the three-point line and then it would end up, I would have him around the free-throw line. So there was definitely a number of possessions. Then I went off and I imagine that for the next group was also confusing like that, that switch. And then there was like, that generated some, some pick and rolls and some cuts for them. So that was, yeah, I guess just a coaching switch on their part is, is switching out how they attack in offense. And because they'd been doing it the same way, that was like our game plan defensively um, because they were, they are quite, predictable in in their typical offensive structure but when it wasn't working they obviously made some switches and then that generated some different lineups and 
different lineups and different looks in those lineups. Um, and then the ball went in, going back to that. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> going back into what it's all about. But talking about yeah. the ball going in or not, uh, you guys limited their three-point percentage. They were shooting 43% on the season. You kept them to 23%. Like, was mm-hmm. that a point of emphasis or... My theory is that you can't actually lower people's three-point percentages in terms of, like, contests. Like, you can just stop them shooting good ones. Like, w- was that much of a thing? Yeah, we talked about that. Like, Alex is shooting um, shooting really well from three and shooting a lot of them. So we were definitely aware of the need to be out on him. Um, they still took a lot, I assume. Yeah. I'm not sure. You know, like 13, right? Yeah. The stats say three from 13. It felt, watching it, it felt a lot more than 13 attempts. Felt like I, 13 in the first quarter, man. I, yeah, I think yeah. a lot of their attempts were very front-loaded to the first half of the game. And then I think I think the first half they didn't really play like a big team. They played very perimeter-oriented. And then they got, as the they kind of settled in in the second half, they were getting inside a bit more. Maybe they dialed their attempts down. But yeah, it did at one point feel like they were shooting a three on every other possession. Yeah, the first couple of minutes was just three after three after three, and a lot of them were long, like O boards, and then they just kept jacking them up again. Um, <laughs> and just luckily, they didn't they didn't go in. I think Jordy made one at the start, and that, apart from that, they were um, shooting a pretty low clip. We also didn't shoot that well, so there was a lot of missed shots at the start. I remember, I remember that. It's um, that is there's always yeah. like a temptation shoot. I feel like the shooters that like. You shoot a three, it goes long. You shoot the next one, it goes short, and you're like, "All right, Goldilocks, this third one's going to be on the money." And it's like, "Hey, you've just missed two. I don't know about that." But yeah, I think. Um, do you think the when you say missed shots early doors, do you think that's like a the moment being relatively big? Do you think that's like a too much energy in a big game thing? Because I always think if you watch like an NBA game seven the first five minutes or so were always just like manic in terms of teams flying around and like shots being bricked and whatever. And it, this game reminded me of that a little bit. Like it took a, a few minutes for everybody to settle in. Just, I don't know if it's like nerves or just really high adrenaline levels or whatever. Yeah, for sure. And I'm, I'm sure like the defensive intensity of both teams is probably higher than, than what we would get on a typical yeah. Saturday like playing against a lot of the, the, the other teams that, they don't have as much defensive intensity, so that would probably be another factor as well. It takes you five minutes to get used to the fact that you're playing against a stronger team than than, than you usually do. So that would that would definitely come into it as well. Um, I'm sure. Like the the defense, like for me from a personal standpoint, like the Bulls is I always find it it's a hard team for me personally to score against because the typical points that I get, uh, or the shots that I get, they they have a just a great ability to take that away, like. Yeah. To try and run a pick and roll for a low pointer against the Bulls is an incredibly hard thing to do. And then even spotting up for a mid-range, like I've never found it comfortable to sit in the middle and shoot like mid-range from the free throw line. Like they, they do a really good job with the way like their system, I guess the zone, the way they run their zone is, is designed for that is to take away those comfortable shots that you're used to shooting is like, I don't know, triple switch and, and you're getting your, your mid-range jumper from the free throw line or your pick and rolls because Alex or Vahid is always down there. Like the the lane looks like it's open. You get the dump down and then all of a sudden you've got a four, five on one side and then you turn and there's another one on the other side and then catch you later. So, um, (laughs) 
like they do a great job of taking you out of the the typical shots that you want to take. So I guess you've got to then work harder to get to get other shots that you might that might not have been your your initial um, or your traditional shots. Yeah, sure, sure. So going back to your guys, um, kind of how your guys' defense were. One of the stats that we picked out was. We kind of talked about the bigs not being as established early doors, but you guys were able to limit Jordy Ruiz fairly well. Uh, he was four from 13 for the game. And this goes back to, again, your guys' last couple of games against them last season where you're able to hold him relatively in check. Do you think you've, do you guys have the formula for that down or? Alternatively, do you think the fact that you're able to make Jordy inefficient then has kind of a trickle-down effect where, for example, Haluski's having to play on the perimeter more to, you know, for their shot creation purposes and whatever? And how do you think your guys' ability to keep Jordy under wraps to some extent affects the game? Yeah, well, it definitely has an impact because like, they had to take him off, I guess, and, and put Linden, and Linden was the guy that was doing the damage. So he's definitely figured out how to score against us. Um, I think Alex plays wants to play the perimeter either way, so I don't think Geordie, um not having a good shooting game would affect Alex. I think like he's going to shoot those shots anyway, like just the type of shots that he wants to shoot. And what it is that we do to take Geordie out of his traditional shooting game. I don't honestly know what it is other than like our, just our, our core defensive principles. And um, like, there's no specific plan in terms of how we want to defend him other than how we would defend everybody, I guess, and yeah. to not let people take comfortable shots, I guess. Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, you said, you say that, he was four from 13, but two of the shots he made just off the top of my head, he hit that three in the first quarter that you alluded to, which was under pretty good pressure. And then his other made shot in the first half was like a stationary catch and shoot for about 20 feet. And he caught the ball, had to pump it and get it away over Simon Brown, like no roll, no momentum or anything. And it was like the cleanest make in the world. So there's like shots like that where he's just going to knock them down. You can't really do anything about, but, when his no, mates are, are, are that tough, you can kind of live yeah. with it. I think. Was that on the left baseline? The one that yes. he, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He, he spun around and gave the bench a little look after that. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, so I'm think... pretty sure Gaz was next to me, and I think it was that was a Gaz look. Um, <laughs> yeah. he, he'd missed a couple before that, so I think he was just letting us know that he was still there. So that was good. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. Like he's just going to make some. Like he's great. He's one of the best two fives in the world, and like. It's probably so tough to not overreact to that stuff, but yeah. yeah. And how was it like? How important was it to win that game there in particular? Like, do you think that helps you guys like more, knowing that you get to play them again at home next time rather than picking up a win at home that you might have expected to, and then having to go to their place to close the league out? Yeah, massive because that's that's obviously what happened to us last year. We beat them by two at home in the first game. And then lost to them by, I'm not sure, a more lot. than two. Yeah. Yeah. Is it 10 or something that we lost to them at their place? They, I know they beat us by 20 in the Champions Cup um, bronze. But it, either way, yeah, it, it's big because we obviously want the home court advantage for finals and we, we want the opportunity to be able to, if things go to plan, we want to be able to play to win the title on our, on our home court. Like winning it um, was awesome last year. 
but winning away is nothing like winning winning at home. So um, we've we've taken a, a great step in the right direction in in getting the away win. Um, in theory, the harder win now, and then all we have to do is take care of business um, in the second one, and then everything should be set up to to try and win it on our home court. Uh, but a lot can change, as I said at the start in in the second half of the season. With I think Hanover can can definitely. Um, upset teams like I would be I would be surprised if Hanover don't take a game off um, either us or or the Bulls at some point like I think they're they're just very very close to being um, at that level so there's a lot that can happen we know that heading into the second half of the season that we can't really take can't take anything anything for granted we just got to keep going the way that we have been going Sure. Um, we could probably segue into some cliches about taking it one week at a time, blah, 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 so, you know. But, hey, se- segueing into the cliches is our job. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, the, I guess the, like, kind of the obvious question following on from that is you mentioned, like, what the return fixture at, it, at your guys' place will be like. Do you feel like with a game under your belt now, and obviously you've played each other now, that the teams are slightly changed up from last year, do you think you've given each other your best shot at this point, or do you think each team's still kind of got moves to make, tools in the box, however you want to describe it, for the return fixture? Yeah, I think they can definitely play a lot better. Like they, they felt good, but I feel like there's definitely more there. I think they would be pretty disappointed. I think that they would feel like they can play a lot better. Yeah. Um, and I think we, I think weekend too. I think it was a good game from us, but there was definitely moments of that that can be improved. And that's the beauty about um, playing such a long season is that you've got the ability to to make changes and grow and develop. Like we've we've improved so much, and mainly you know in the first half of the season, you're just incorporating the new guys and figuring out stylistically what's the best way to play. Um, and it takes hard games and and losses or almost losses to figure that out. Like we learned a lot in the Hanover game about how to use. Um, Matthias, that was kind of like a big thing, like how to use him properly to get the most benefit um, for the team, and that took us almost losing to to them, or at least them putting us under a huge amount of pressure in the in the first half. So, I think we can keep making improvements. Like getting a union in the first round of Champions Cup in Vienna is going to be going to be massive. Like, there's another really really strong team, really deep mm-hmm. team that they can. They've got so many different weapons. I think they're probably still trying to figure it out. Maybe even more so than us. It seems like like having such a talented squad and trying to figure out what is the best um, five or which of the various different lineups that they can put out there is the most effective. So um, it's going to be an exciting second half. Um, I have to I have to point this out at this stage, but the two teams you've just mentioned are about you know being up for playing in the second half of the season just happen to be teams with two Aussies on them. <laughs> is that how your radar works? <laughs> Like right, we gotta yeah. beat Hanover, we gotta beat Illunion. Outside of that, don't really care. <laughs> Mo also has Mo actually has three Australians, so if you want we can oh, talk yeah. about the French powerhouse. <laughs> we we don't watch nearly enough French league to know what's going on over there. We watch like Spain and Germany every weekend and it I usually tops up to like eleven games where we don't have the bandwidth. We're for being friends. resistant. Yeah. Every so often, yeah. someone will be like, "Why don't you watch this league?" And I'm like, "Ah, delete message." <laughs> but yeah, so Fuck. we, we want to talk through the last couple of possessions of that game, and I have two questions, both from Mendel, um, about this, and I'll, I'll ask you those. So he first said, "Do you think Aluski didn't see you?" 
or did he think he could get the ball to Jordy anyway? And the other question about, I've got these written, he asked them in the wrong order, or I wrote them down in the wrong order. And how do you know where to pass the ball when you catch an offensive rebound in amongst the trees? So probably probably answer those in the order they happened in the game. <laughs> yeah, so the rebound was first, right? That was, yes. yes. Yeah. Um, my first thought was put it back because I caught it and I looked up and like, oh, this is, I'm definitely a chance here. Like I, I was open enough to be able to have shot it. But it's just such an instinct. It comes back from like my formative years of playing with the national with the Aussie team when I played when our starting five was Brad and Justin, like the two big four fives, Sean, Mikey and myself, um, like in London and Worlds in, in fourteen. And at that period in time it was just such a common thing to if I would ever pull down a rebound in there, it would just be back up to either Brad or Justin or at times Sean. So it was just, I don't know, just wound back the clock 10 years. And, <laughs> and playing with Matias is in some ways a lot like playing with Brad. Um, he just moves a lot faster. But that was just the thought. It was I saw Matias there. He just missed, had just missed the exact same shot that he then um, took. So I thought this is probably as good a shot for us to take as any. Um, and I just didn't want Alex, obviously, to catch it. So I just put it as high and far away from from Alex. And luckily, Matias has got a long reach and yeah I'm going to say if, if you pluck down a rebound and need someone to get it to you could do a lot worse than having Matthias there who's like approximately the height of a lighthouse and is maybe the one person you could get it to above Alex Haluski. yeah yeah so that was kind of just like I don't know just natural reaction to, to throw it back up there um, to him and then the the Haluski's then passed to me I'm not sure what what he thought I don't know whether he saw me like i think i'd stopped had i stopped marie i think i stopped someone's yeah, chair you you were on marie's footplate and jordy they'd got it to haluski over the halfway line and then jordy cut yeah. like round the back of marie to the sideline and i think yeah. haluski like threw an outlet pass at that point but right at the point where like jordy and you crossed over yeah, I just remember like I yeah stopped Marie and then pulled back as Alex passed it. I don't know whether he saw me or or not. I have no idea, but um, I was definitely in the right place at the right time. I was I was a little bit shocked to have the ball to be honest, but uh, yeah, just but making an impact. Just the one percent is when you got that steal and when you got that steal and that kind of decided or came as close to deciding the game as a, a defensive play like that can. What's the like? the immediate thought in your head? Cause especially as a one, you like don't want to be found vulnerable, right? Was it your immediate thought, right? Who do I get this to? Cause I think you then got, you got like a transition layup out of it. I think, or a foul yes. maybe. Like yeah. Gaz two, got to the basket, right? Yeah. Yeah. But when, at the second you caught that ball, are you looking for like the outlet pass or are you just like somebody get this ball off me? <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of like having watched a lot of football recently. It's it's typically um, like that's when teams score. I'm not a football person at all, so um, yeah. I just been crushing the World Cup because I'm mildly have a mild gambling addiction. Um, but Jesus yeah, like scoring, <laughs> scoring on a counter attack is like such a potent thing in football. And like when I looked up and had the ball, everyone's going the wrong way, um, and I had the ball obviously heading the in to our attacking basket, which everyone's heading the other direction. So I can't remember who I passed it to, but we were in it like we instantly had such a massive numbers advantage because they're all yeah. streaming down the court the other way. So my thought was just get it over half um, 
and then I don't know, wait for them to foul or um, or whatever. So I can't remember who I passed it to, but I was pretty happy to get it out of my hands again and, yeah. and, and try and get the bucket before. Yeah. Um, well, also, we're that. talking about your your offensive board and your steal, but also just before that, Simon had a steal and a layup, and I can't believe it wasn't an and one. I don't yeah, know how much you saw from the game, but oh my god, ref! Yeah, massive. I couldn't believe that either. Like it's it's a great hustle play from Simon. Like put his body on the line. That's like a hard layup, and he made it too, and with a lot of contact, but. Yeah, well, the, there was a ton of contact on that one. Uh, I think it was Jens chased him down. And then yeah. that could have been an and one. And I think the shot that Matthias hit off your offensive rebound with Haluski draped on, that could well have been an and one as well. Um, yeah. So we could have been looking at like a really different situation if one or both of them had been called. But when um, when I asked you what your immediate thought was post, um, you know, pulling that steal in from Haluski. I really set you up to say, oh, I'm getting the belt here, but you you didn't bite on that one. <laughs> well, I, I mean, just back to my earlier comment, I figured with my, my stat line, including two off- offensive rebounds, one steal, one missed shot, I figured that probably wouldn't have been enough to get it done. But um, uh, right. <laughs> So it's qu- quality over quantity, man. That's what we're going for. That's right. Yeah. Right. Just be- should we do listener questions? Yes, so we've got a whole heap of listener questions, but we're very conscious of uh, your time. So let's blast through these. Let's not speed round these, but let's. That's All right. Um, an anonymous question. Uh, tips for getting jacked? <laughs> um, I don't know. Eat a lot of food and, and, and train hard. I think the training intensity in, in Landil is is awesome. Like that's, I think I've, like personally feel like I'm in probably as good a shape as ever just from the the intensity of the practices and the scrimmage and, and that sort of stuff. Um, so that's like for me personally, that's been, and then I don't know if, if it's, I, I love eating food. So there's certainly never an issue with that. And then <laughs> pushing a wheelchair all the time seems to help. But yeah. Sure. Cool. I don't, don't know. We've broken the mold on that one, but I, I think, um, yeah. Anonymous right, listener, like consider yourself um, told what to do. Okay, we've got a whole heap of questions from Rose Holloman here. So she says, do you plan on living in another country and learning yet another language? Oh, I think I'm getting too old. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. it's. I'm enjoying Germany at the moment. I think I've got a contract for this year and, and next, and I can see potentially another one happening after that. Maybe, like I think, after four years in Germany, I think I'd be pretty happy with the German experience. So maybe another one, like a new country after that. But the allure of playing in Spain again is is pretty high. Like um, I went back to Madrid for a weekend and watched the Lunion Vitalid game. Um, five weeks ago maybe yeah. and just being back in Spain and then around that Spanish culture and Spanish wheelchair basketball was awesome so that is yeah something that's that's pretty enticing and not having to learn another language would be would also be pretty cool like I enjoy it but um, it was also nice just to be able to go back and speak Spanish and so Sure. Do you mind if we use that bit as the soundbite for the episode? Because when we did that with Tom and Neil Thorne, the listens for that episode just went absolutely wild. 
what did he talk about? Like Be- being ready to come back to Spain. <laughs> and everyone, <laughs> yeah. everyone was suddenly like, ah, oh, cool. I'll listen to this one. And then clearly um, getting a message from a team that he's currently playing on. But yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't think next, I was in like quite much interest as it is. But. <laughs> uh, next question. Are there any drills or workouts that have helped you develop such incredible balance as a one? Um, I think good kidney belts is probably my secret. Like that's something that um, I see a lot of ones that don't use them. And I think like, cause I didn't, when I started and didn't for a long time until Ty Simmons and, and Mikey Hartnett, two of the more experienced ones in the team when I was coming up, helped me. And then I played around for a long, long time with different setups and still do to be perfectly honest. Like I'm still making adjustments and tweaking things and stuff. So good strapping, I think is crucial. Like that's where we can close the gap and with our lack of, lack of core. And then I don't know, I, I started swimming a lot the last two seasons. So even that just, just once a week, which is good cardio, but also it kind of utilizes all the muscles that we have that we sure. can use, I guess, yeah, and like sure. rotation wise and stuff. So I think that's really good for, yeah, for getting as much out of whatever it, as much as we have, I guess. Sure. Yeah, sure. Um, okay. Next up from Rose, do you consider yourself more offensive or defensive and why? I assume she's talking about basketball skills here rather than like personality Personal. trait. Yeah. Um, I, I guess I would have to say more defensive, but pretty flexible, I guess. Like I'm, I feel like I'm flexible enough to be able to play different roles depending on what the team needs from me. And like, I think in the Australian league now, I think I'm definitely more offensive. Um, and just that's probably had a lot to do with the team that I play with. And the, sure. whereas in Landil, I think it seems to be more defensive and Bill Bow, it varied with the national team. It's probably transitioning to be more offensive now. Um, but I think, I don't know, that just comes down to the players that I'm playing with on the court at the time. And yeah. some to some degree, the team that we're playing against. Um, but yeah, I'd like to think that I, in moments, have the ability to do both, depending on 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 which. But yeah, probably defensive. I guess that's probably what I'm more known for. I guess. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, last question from Rose is: How did you get so cool? Feel free to answer or keep it a mystery. <laughs> um, that's a subjective thing, because. I'm not sure how many people think I'm cool. It might just be Rose. I don't know, like, we should find out. So Let's find out. Let's put a poll out. I, I also don't know why Rose has asked you all of these via us when you you guys are teammates and see each other every day. She asks me that all the time, though, and I still I, I never answer. So okay, cool. We'll keep it that way then. Okay, next up from Tom O'Neill Thorne. Thoughts on the allegations that you bribed the bench units podcast to win the belt? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> the allegations are rife. Yeah. Okay. Next up, <laughs> John T. Brown. When will the Horsham Hornets make a return? We would need a tournament to play in. Um, probably whenever I'm back in Australia for 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 a tournament for an invitational tournament that we can assemble the squad again. Um, we would hopefully have more success than last time that the Horsham Hornets took to the court. 
Sure. We don't we don't follow the Australian league enough to, to know what you're referring to here, but it doesn't sound great. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next question. Fintoner asked, were there any was there any specific thinking behind your shot mechanics compared to other low pointers? Um, who asked that? Finn Tonner. Oh, Finn. Okay. I love how you're um, like, who asked that? Because I want to make sure I'm, I want to know who I'm giving secrets away to. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess, depend. I don't know what shots he's talking about, what short mechanics. Um, I got, if he's referring to like finishing in around the bucket, I think a lot of it comes down to necessity. Like I do some pretty, um, some some non-conventional shooting in and around the bucket with a lot of spin on the ball in certain spots or um are we teetering on the edge of the obligatory australian reference to the junior world championships bronze medal game because that happens every time one of you guys comes on it yes exactly yeah so that's sort of stuff i think from i think well i spent a lot of time practicing by myself when i was a kid and that's just sort of fun stuff that you can do is um unconventional makes but also like playing with a lot of bigs you have to shoot the ball from different in different positions if you want to be able to shoot the ball without getting blocked so probably getting blocked a lot when i was young and not wanting to get blocked anymore me made me learn to shoot the ball in different ways so that that didn't happen but unfortunately playing with rio again now it's um now it's happening again a lot like he had the filthiest block what did he do? We it was on our Thursday scrimmage last week. I had a pick and roll with Gaz, and he like chased down block from behind, retained possession, and then went down and shot a three in transition. Like that all happened within about eight seconds, and it almost broke me. It was he's so good. <laughs> he's so good. It was soul crushing. I actually got blocked on the next, and then Quinton blocked me, and then Matthias oh, blocked me. Oh, okay. I'm going to say, when you started this story with playing with Rio, I was like, is he blocking you when you're on his team? Oh, right, you mean scrimmaging, <laughs> like in, inter-squad scrimmaging, yeah. not like Rio passes you a dump down and then chases you and blocks you just for the hell of it. It's a nah, tough life yeah. because like, I don't think I don't think Biggs throwing the ball into smaller guys like us, um, I don't think they realize how tough some of it is. Like every so often, someone will throw you a little dump down passing for a layup and be like, what do you want me to do with this? Like, what What do you think this is? How, what do you think I'm going to be able to, like, I can't see the basket right now, but it's tough yeah, life. There's, there's definitely moments where we've been stitched up. Um, and that was, well, I like, I had the option to shoot a finger roll, which I definitely should have done. But um, so it wasn't too much of a stitch up from Gaz. Like he put me in a position where I could have scored. I could have at least not been blocked, but incorrect shot selection. And then I paid the price. So yeah, fair enough. Yeah. it's also like the the guy who throws you the pass can see where the person trailing you is and what shots available to you where you kind of like a lot of the time you have to guess you have to yeah. be like yeah that's the person on my right shoulder i don't know like <laughs> yeah that's massive or you you can hear something you can hear them somewhere behind you like oh i think he just tilted so if i wait a second or two seconds he should be on the ground again and then i'll be good yeah um <laughs> yeah so much of it is just like i remember someone asking me because i went through a period of like making weird ones like when we were playing for grand canary and i was like just take weird yeah. ones no one tries to block the weird ones like people will try and block your right hand normal layout apart from that you're probably good but anyway next question so this is from simon brown and he says godzilla or kong um 
for those that don't know, that's a question out of Rio being Godzilla and Kong being um, Matthias. <sighs> I mean, I've got to go with the classic, mainly because we're trying to sign. Oh, actually, I'm, I'm going to keep that. Never mind. Um, okay. yeah. no, we'll, Do you we'll want us to cut that, that or are you happy we'll, enough that that's We'll talk about that after the podcast. Yeah, you can leave that in there. Um, but my answer is Rio. But that's not out of – that's just because – while Matthias may turn into a legend of the game, Rio is in every yes. essence of the word legend of the game. So, sure. entirely sure. fair. All right. Next question from Gaz Chaudhary: What is your fruit of choice before a game? Um, yeah, like obviously being being interested in in health, um, getting my five a day is is incredibly important to me. So I think mang- like in mango. Um, it's not something. It's something that I'm used to in Australia, being a bit more tropical, but not so much in in Germany. So if I can get my hands on a mango, that is definitely, um, yeah, that's up there. It's definitely definitely one of the top ones. All right, I'm, I'm really tempted to make our soundbite for this episode just a little PSA about five days. Like, <laughs> yeah, and it's important, and that's a message I think to all um, to all kids that you know, get your five a day. Cool, we will do. Okay, last question. Uh, this for a minute. Instagram account called Mamsid98. What did you learn from your time at Alabama and what did you enjoy the most? Alabama, yeah, God. Um, an interesting question. We had, we had like we had different teams at Bama. Like my first year came in, the team was really well set up. I kind of like came in at the end. Um, we had a few guys graduate that were pretty, and we won it and then, like Jared Rambula, who was incredible, graduated, and um, Ryan Hines. So then we went through a bit of a rebuilding stage where um, I guess I had to do a lot more stuff that class ones typically hadn't had to do. So I had to do a lot more, I don't know, ball carrying and, and shooting and just being also more of a more of a leader. So that was probably a big thing, like in terms of leadership and and running a team in, in some capacity in, in, in that sense, which um, prior to that, having been one of the youngest on the on the men's team or with my club team in Australia. So getting that opportunity was really important, I think, to, to, to I don't know, to make myself a more well-rounded player um, while, because then when you go back to a team like Lundell and it's, it's one of the things that you're not having to do consistently you're playing your role typically, but um, to have had periods of your career where you've had to do play outside of your traditional role um, makes you, yeah, I guess just a more well-rounded, well-rounded player. So Bammer, I think, was was important for that because we definitely had years where um, where that was the case. So probably that and how to have a good time because that's what playing basketball in college is all about is <laughs> good. Wicked. Okay. That's everything from us. Yannick, thank you so much for making time for this, man. I appreciate you sticking with us through the jet lag. And you've we've gone for an hour and 15-ish here and you've not fallen asleep. So we've got a good episode out of this. Perfect. No worries at all. Thanks for um, thanks for the call again. And you've kept me awake for well, it's almost 7 p.m. So I've just got another two or three hours and then I'm, then I'm good. Wicked. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy your sleep, your extended nap again. Listeners, thank you for joining us again, and we'll be back soon. So, yeah, peace out. Thanks, guys.